Andrews. Start jump. Andrews! It's time for the fastest hour of radio. Southern Race Week with your host, William Barber. Hello and welcome to the Southern Race Week Radio podcast for you here on your favorite podcast location, whether it's iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud. We greatly appreciate you taking the time to download, listen in, and subscribe to the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. My name is Alfie, and I'll be joining you here on this brand new week's edition of the Southern Race Week Radio podcast to talk everything in the world of racing. And we've got some great guests to help us out on this week's edition of the Southern Race Week Radio podcast, as we will hear from the CEO of the Camping World SRX series, Don Hawk, along with turn announcer and pit reporter for the Performance Racing Network, Doug Turnbull, and pit reporter for the IndyCar series coverage on NBC, Mr. Kevin Lee. So we'll hear from these great guests coming up here later on during the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. But a very busy weekend in the world of racing as NASCAR, NHRA, and the IndyCar series. All of those great series were in action this past weekend. And before we get into our racing recap and take a look at all the exciting racing action this past weekend, I do want to remind you about our social media platforms. That's right, we have a Facebook page, and we're also on Twitter or X or whatever they call it now. But uh, we always bring you the latest in racing news and information via our Facebook page, which you can get if you like our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Southern Race Week. And also, if you're following us on Twitter or X, at uh, SRW Radio, and then also you got an email address. So anytime you want to shoot us an email, please feel free to do so. Love reading those emails at srwradio at yahoo.com. Once again, that is srwradio at yahoo.com. But as we do every single week at around this time here on the Southern Race Week Radio podcast, we take a look at the weekend of racing with our weekend racing Recap. So let's take a look at all the action that happened in the world of NASCAR as the Truck Series, Xfinity Series, and Cup Series were all in action this past weekend. In fact, in the Truck Series, it was race number one of the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series as they were in action at the Indianapolis Raceway Park. And Ty Majeski in the number 98 Ford came away with a victory and also advances into the next round of the playoffs with his win. And uh, Christian Eckes was your runner-up. Lane Riggs finishing third. Carson Hosever in fourth. And Zane Smith rounding out the top five. And taking a look at the point standings right now, as I mentioned, Ty Majeski with this win at IRP advances into the next round of the playoffs. Corey Hine is your number two ranked driver. Christian Eckes is in third. Carson Hosever in fourth position. Zane Smith is fifth. Grant Enfinger is sixth. Ben Rhodes is seventh. Nick Sanchez is in eighth position. Matt Crafton is in ninth. And Matt DiBenedetto rounding out the top ten. As we take a look at the action from the NASCAR Xfinity Series, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course, Ty Gibbs finally figured out how to defeat A.J. Allmendinger in Indianapolis. He made it to the front during the third stage of this past Saturday's Xfinity Series race, then pulled away from the recent king of road courses. But it wasn't easy, and it wasn't dry. 
The race was red flagged, in fact, for nearly 45 minutes because of lightning, which was followed by heavy rain that saturated the track. When racing resumed, a rainbow appeared near the third turn of Indy's two-and-a-half-mile oval, and the cars were running on rain tires, which came off quickly as the track dried. Gibbs drove into victory lane for the first time this season by outlasting Sam Mayer to the finish line by more than seven seconds and relegating Almendinger, the defending race champ and pole winner, to third. Gibbs now has 13 career Xfinity wins. Austin Hill with your fourth finish driver and Justin Allgaier round out the top five. And take a look at the current point standings right now in the Xfinity Series. John Hunter Nemechek is your number one ranked driver. He's got five wins on the season. Austin Hill is ranked second, but he is the overall points leader for the regular season championship. He's got four wins on the season. Cole Custer is in third position with two wins. Justin Allgaier is in fourth with a win. Sam Mayer fifth with a win. Chandler Smith is in sixth with a win. Sammy Smith is seventh with a win. And Jeb Burton is in eighth position into the playoffs with a win. And spots 9 through 12 are into the playoffs right now, currently through points. These drivers do not have a win on the season as of yet. That is Josh Berry in ninth, Daniel Hemrick in 10th, Riley Herps in 11th, and Sheldon Creed rounding out the top 12. Over to the Cup Series, Michael McDowell knelt down at Indianapolis Motor Speedway's yards of bricks and delivered the sweetest kisses of his racing career this past Sunday. The 38-year-old Arizona driver became a brickyard champ and a member of an elite club. McDowell inherited the lead on lap 53 and never trailed again as he drove the most dominant race of his career, beating Chase Elliott to the yard of bricks by 0.937 seconds for his second NASCAR crown jewel victory while securing a playoff spot. Pole winner Daniel Suarez was third. While his first win came by navigating traffic following a crash at Daytona, there was no doubt Sunday. McDowell won the first stage, finished behind only Denny Hamlet in stage two, and closed it out by leading a career-high 54 laps to give Front Row Motorsports its fourth cup win. McDowell's victory puts him on a short list of cup drivers to reach victory lane at Daytona and Indy. A list that includes names such as the late Dale Earnhardt, Jeff Gordon, Kevin Harvick, Jimmy Johnson, and Dale Jarrett, who introduced a tradition of kissing the bricks. And on the annual crossover weekend with the IndyCar Series, McDowell also finally joined two of IndyCar's greatest drivers on the list, Mario Andretti and A.J. Foyt, the only winners of the Daytona 500 and Indianapolis 500. And following the race, this is what Michael McDowell said about the win at Indy. You know, to win the Daytona 500, there's not a lot of things that can top that. But this is a close second, and uh, to have my family here with me, yeah, it's very special. You know, obviously they couldn't be there at Daytona, and, um, you know, that was tough. But at the same time, we've been building and building at Front Row Motorsports and felt like we would have another opportunity to win a race. As we mentioned earlier, Chase Elliott was your runner-up driver, Daniel Suarez finishing third, Tyler Reddick in fourth, and Alex Bowman rounding out the top five. And taking a look at the current standings right now in the Cup Series, William Byron is your number one ranked driver. He's got four wins on the season. Martin Truex Jr. is the second ranked driver, but has the overall points lead for the regular season championship. He's got three wins on the season. Kyle Busch is in third position with three wins. Denny Hamlet is in fourth position with two wins. Kyle Larson 
is your fifth-ranked driver with two wins in the season. Chris Buescher is sixth with two wins. Christopher Bell is seventh with a win. Ross Chastain is eighth with a win. Ryan Blaney is ninth with a win. Tyler Reddick is tenth with a win. Joey Logano is eleventh with a win. Michael McDowell is in twelfth with a win. And Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is your thirteenth-ranked driver with a win on the season. Drivers 14 through 16 are into the playoffs right now via points. These drivers do not have a win on the season as of yet. That's Kevin Harvick in 14th, Brad Keselowski in 15th, and Bubba Wallace rounding out the top 16. Over to the results of the IndyCar Series race at Indianapolis Rose Course. The Iceman became the Ironman of IndyCar this past Saturday as he capped it off with a win too. Scott Dixon overcame a first lap spin and then held off hard charging Graham Rahal over the final 10 laps to win this past Saturday's Indianapolis Grand Prix by 0.4779 seconds. Dixon's 54th career win, second in series history, was part of another milestone day. He has won at least one race in 19 consecutive IndyCar seasons, extending his own record, and it came on the day he also broke Tony Kanaan's previous series mark with his 319th consecutive start. Only A.J. Foyt has more race wins, which is 67, and more series crowns 7 than Scott Dixon, who has done it all with Chip Ganassi Racing over 22 seasons, the longest tenured driver in team history, and while the trips to victory lane rarely come easily for the six-time IndyCar champ, Dixon also seems to find a creative way to stay in contention. It happened again this past Saturday after an early collision that sent Dixon to pit road on lap 5. He spent the rest of the race running a different strategy than the other cars, a move that eventually helped him stay in contention after qualifying 15th. As we mentioned, Graham Rahal was your runner-up Pato Award, finishing 3rd, Christian Lungard in 4th, and Alexander Rossi rounding out the top five. And take a look at the, at the current point standings right now in the run for the championship in the IndyCar Series. Alex Pillow is currently your number one ranked driver and still. Scott Dixon is in second. Joseph Newgarden in third. Scott McLaughlin in fourth. And Pato Award rounding out the top five. And take a look at the NHRA Series. Congratulations once again to friend of the show, Justin Ashley, as he won a Wally in the top fuel division. Bob Tasca the third in the funny car division, and Erica Enders was the Wally winner for the Pro Stock division. And if you want to check a look at the winners of the other divisions, racing in the NHRA series, just go on over to NHRA.com and click on results. And take a look at this weekend's upcoming racing action as the NHRA and NASCAR will be in action. Take a look at the NHRA. They'll be racing at the Lucas Oiled NHRA Nationals. That'll be August 17th through the 20th in Brainerd, Minnesota. And then over in NASCAR, the Truck Series taking the week off as we'll have Xfinity and the Cup Series in action. Once again, another road course, this time at Watkins Glen. For the Xfinity Series, they'll be in action on Saturday, August 19th for the Shriner Children's 200 from Watkins Glen International. The green flag will drop at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can catch the race on the USA Network or listen to the radio coverage provided by the Motor Racing Network, which can also be heard on Sirius XM NASCAR Channel 90. 
And the Cubs series will be in action on Sunday, August 20th for the Go Bowling at the Glen from the Watkins Glen International Raceway. 3 p.m. Eastern time is when the green flag will drop, and you can catch the race action for that race on the USA Network and also radio coverage provided by the Motor Racing Network, which can also be heard on Sirius XM NASCAR Channel 90. So there you go. That is your weekend racing recap for you here on the Southern Race Week Radio Podcast. Hey, this is Brandon Hutchison, Executive Vice President and General Manager of Atlanta Motor Speedway. You're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, welcome back to this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you here along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network at Southfield as we continue on with this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio Podcast. And I'm very honored and privileged to welcome in our next guest here, Via the Food Depot Zoom line, as he is the man in charge over there for the SRX series, the Camping World XRX series. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in the CEO, Mr. Don Hall. Mr. Hey, like I say, sir, when we have a big deal guest on, we got to give him a big deal introduction, Mr. Hawk. And maybe for some of our listeners who's not familiar with your background, uh, maybe break down to us uh, some of the things you've done uh, throughout your uh, racing career in NASCAR and with SMI. It's been the road less traveled by, but um, my life has just been a blessing as it relates to NASCAR. My first reference letter to the sport was written by Eddie Wood, the owner of the Wood Brothers. In 1986, he was already pitching Ford Motor Company and certain people in NASCAR to hire me. And it wasn't until 1991 that I moved my family from up near Maryland to North Carolina and decided I'm exiting the car business, which was my entire life. I've either been in the race car business or the automobile business my entire life, and except for college, right? So I, I segue out of it and move south and I've got my wife and four children and said, I'm gonna start a new career. She supported me hundred percent. And I spent literally 36 years in full-time NASCAR work and, and another four or five as a consultant to it. So um, it's really been a great journey. I, I started um, with some fledgling teams while we we're trying to get a deal done with Kawiki. Alan was a really good friend of mine. And then after he died, Richard Childress, and it's crazy. Richard Childress and I just talked this morning. He and I were just on the phone this morning, and we talked about this very thing. After Alan died, Richard walked up to me. I'll never forget it. At Dover Downs, he taps me on the shoulder and says, you got a second? I said, yeah. He said, look, I know you're doing a lot of work on this estate and trying to get Kawiki seat, team sold, and all that. But I just wanted to tell you, Dale is looking for a president of DEI, and he's looking for somebody to run his company. And he wants to talk to you, and I highly recommend that he do it. And I said, look, that'd be great. Just give me a month or two. You know, let me get things settled here, and um, we're going to try to sell the race team and move on. So, Alfred, it's later that afternoon. Earnhardt walks up to me, grabs me by the shoulder, says, walk with me. I start walking through the garage with him at Dover Downs, and he says, how much money do you make? And I said, whoa, whoa, can we talk about something else? And he goes, no, I want to know how much money you make. I said, I want to tell you. And he goes walk with me. So he got up in his hauler, the three car hauler, and he's in his uniform and he's peeling it off as he does. And, and, you know, on goes the Wrangler jeans and on goes the Justin boots. And he's putting on his shirt. And he's like, Hey, I want you to meet Teresa and I for dinner at five 30 at the iron gate Inn in Dover. I said, I know exactly where it is, but I have another dinner engagement. And he looks at me and says, cancel it. 
I mean, that's how Earnhardt was. He was the intimidator, right? So Richard and I just shared that story again this morning. I promise you. So I, I end up, you know, traveling with Daniel Teresa Romont. They offer me a job. I started out as a general manager and a couple months later was promoted to vice president. A couple months later, promoted to president and the rest is history. I was the president of DEI for seven years and change. And it was an unbelievable ride. So then you move on and I've got a deal with Earnhardt. A contract with Dale six months before he dies. I signed an agreement with Dale and NASCAR, multi-year agreements to represent them. And I started Hawk Sports Management, which you referenced earlier, my own agency. And halfway through that deal, well, first of all, six months into it, Dale dies. And what a what an untimely bad situation that was for motorsports. And then NASCAR, halfway through the their deal, says to me, why don't we just burn that deal up and you come to work for us? So I worked for NASCAR in between. I don't know if you know that for a couple of years and had an office at the R&D Center in Concord and one in Daytona Beach. It was a great opportunity. I learned more and more about the business. So I, I've been on the infield side of it. Then I've been on the NASCAR side of it. And then this guy named Bruton Smith one day looks at my credential at India. I'm an autograph alley and he sees Don Hawk NASCAR and he goes, why does it say NASCAR and why don't you why doesn't have my name on it? Why don't you work for me? I said, probably because you never asked. He said, I just did. And so literally, it was about a year and a half later, I get a phone call from his right-hand man and says, Bruton wants to see you tonight for dinner. And I said, I can't do it. You ever notice these big famous guys want to do dinner? Right. right? And like I said, I can't do it. And that didn't work for me the first time, by the way. It didn't work for me the second time. And somehow that all squeezed Alfred into 36 years and change. Wow, that's absolutely amazing. Uh, speaking with the CEO of the Camping World SRX Series, uh, Don Hawk, on this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio, what made you decide to make the commitment to Tony Stewart and Ray Everham to be a part of the SRX Series? December 23rd, 2021, I get a text message from a guy named George Pine and a guy named Sandy Montag. They own equal shares of SRX with Ray Everham. Ray had given them notice that he was stepping aside as the day-to-day -day operations guy. Ray effectively was the guy running it for year one. He, he built the cars, worked around the cars, worked in the shop, ran the races, and Ray decided he was going to step away. So the other two owners called me. George knows me from my NASCAR life. George was the CMO of NASCAR and the COO of NASCAR when Brian France was running it. So I've known George for 25, 28 years. So he texts me and he goes, are you in a, in a position to sign an NDA with us? I have something I want to talk to you about. Because I had already left Speedway Motorsports deciding what I want to be when I grow up, right? Because I'm not going to retire. I decided I'm not going to retire. So they came on, tell me what it's all about. They said, Ray's stepping aside. He doesn't want to be active in the day-to-day -day operations. And he hasn't been ever since. Now, one of the intriguing things about the XRX series compared to the IROC series is that IROC series raced at NASCAR tracks during the season. You guys race at short track tracks all over the United States. I think the uptick in short track racing being popularized again is because I think what the XRS series is doing is really showing the short track world to those fans who have never seen these various short tracks and see how great the racing is on these short tracks. Do you, do you feel that way that the XRX series has really brought attention to the short track world? Oh my goodness. Yeah. And see, that was by design. So Ray and I were both involved in IROC and see, I've known Ray for 28, 29 years. We're still good friends. 
by, by that, I mean, I can pick up the phone and call him and he actually will answer. At least I haven't tried it today, but I, I think he still will. Um, so we don't do dinner and stuff together, but I mean, we've known each other because Earnhardt races against Gordon and Je and let's face it, Ray was his guy. But here's the other thing. Ray, I don't know if you know it, he built the cars at IROC and Dale was an IROC champion. And so I was at a lot of those IROC races. So that model was 100% what you said. It was fast cars on big tracks. We have fast cars on small tracks. And we decided to make the wheelhouse, the short track races in America, those tracks that need help with their grassroots racing. And we're going to help build from the ground up. And that's where the base is. The base is at the local hundred and some, you know, asphalt tracks, hundred and some dirt tracks all around the country. And I'm shortchanging the number by a few. And so, like, this is a discipline, SRX, where you have IndyCar drivers, IndyCar champions, NASCAR drivers, NASCAR champions, USAC drivers, USAC champions, NHRA drivers, NHRA champions. They're all in one umbrella, and they come race, and they have a blast. And guess who wins? The short track racing fan, the short track promoter. And then the next week, it's easier for them to fill their grandstands because people go, you know what? That was actually fun to go to that track. Highlight a little bit about the the deal you guys have with ESPN and how those negotiations were like. Did they come to you? Did you go to them? What was that negotiation deal like with getting the deal with ESPN? So we had a deal with CBS, and we decided. Tony Stewart came to me halfway through last year and said, "You know, things are going really good. You know, a lot of people thought this thing was like what was going to happen. Oh shoot, Ray's not here every week. He said things are going really good. You want to know how to make them go really better?" And I thought. Okay, I better get a paper and pen out. Like he's gonna give me notes, right? He says, See, "Pal, let me do do you a favor. See if you can get this thing somehow to race on weeknights." So then we're off the short tracks weekends, regular time. They make their money and a bread and butter, and we go a weeknight. And he said, "It's probably gonna make it so that we can get more current IndyCar, current NASCAR drivers, current NHRA drivers." And I said, "Tony, what about Thursday Night Thunder?" And he said. Yeah, you have to do research on that. You have to resurrect it. That's exactly what I did. So I went and I looked it up. I know who owns the trademark. I went with them. Hey, I'm thinking of presenting a pitch. Can I use it? Yeah, you can use it. Got the rights to do that. Got it in black and white. We're in New York City. We're talking to our TV partners. And CBS was a great partner. Great partner for SRX. Really helped catapult the growth for this thing. And they they just couldn't come up with a weak night that made sense because they're so big and in, you know, you know, how am I going to get in the way of some big news show or some, some show that four four 400 million people, I'm making that up. I don't know. hundred million viewers watch. Right. So didn't make sense. So we decided let's, let's talk to CBS about, can we talk to somebody else and just see if we can get a weeknight. And that's where it entered. And, I was standing in the back of a room getting ready to have a lunch and Burke Magnus from uh, ESPN was there and Burke was around when Thursday Night Thunder was around and I pitched it to him standing in the back of the room and said, what do you think of this? He goes, I love it. After this lunch, let's talk. And I made sure it wasn't a conflict with anybody in the, in the company or CBS and Sandy Montag and George Pine knew the people from ESPN. They started warming up the engine. We had one or two conference calls. And it might have been one of the shortest TV deals ever done in, in history because we were all strategically aligned that this made sense 
for both parties. That's when you have wins, Alfred. You have wins when both parties at the negotiating table win. But you know what? There was a third person that won, and it was the fan. Well, Mr. Hawk, I, I feel like I could spend all day here talking to you about racing and everything going on. Where can our listeners learn more information about the Camping World SRX series? We have the most nimble social media guy in the world. If you just go to our Twitter account, Instagram account, and look at it, you can drag along and jump in with me. Well, Mr. Hawk, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Southern Race Week Radio, sir. Uh, good luck to you as you wrap up the season this year and uh, looking forward to seeing all the a great excitement and other tracks you'll be visiting for the XRS series in uh, 2024, sir. Thank you, Alfred. I enjoyed it. Hi, this is Greg Walter, general manager of the Charlotte Motor Speedway, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, welcome back to this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you here along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio network at Southeast. We continue on with this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast, and we're very honored and privileged to welcome our next guest here, via the Food Depot hotline as he's in the world of NASCAR for the Performance Racing Network and also his podcast that's available for you at goprn.com, which is the 5 to Go podcast. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in one of the turn announcers for and also does some work on the pit roads as well for the Performance Racing Network. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Doug Man, oh man! Look at all that RPM we were spewing out on a on a weekday afternoon. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> doing good, Mister Turnbull. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this week here on Southern Race Week Radio, sir. Hopefully, you're having a great day today, my friend. I'm certainly trying to. Yes, sir. So much information going on, but I do want to touch on you first with RFK Racing. I mean, these guys have been on fire, and if there's a time to start getting heated up and ready, is when you're getting into the playoffs. But right as of right now, we know that Chris Buescher is locked in. We know Brad Keselowski is in the top 16 right now, and it's possible that he'll have both of those cars uh, into the playoff field. Your thoughts on RFK Racing during this last couple of weeks hot streak and how important is it for them to be on fire like this right now, getting set for the playoffs here in a couple of weeks yeah. when we kick things off at Darlington? Well, right. And, I mean, Chris Buescher won a race early in the playoffs last year, Bristol, too. So, circle that one. And Brad Kozlowski was tasked in that a very same race. And Buescher and Kozlowski have both been good at Darlington over the years, too. So, yeah, look, uh, I think that it's not just a two-week hot streak for RFK. If you compare RFK to what they did a year ago and certainly over the last seven or eight years, they've been white hot all year compared to the last years before. Uh, but, but this is the zenith of it, winning back-to-back races. I looked this up because I was curious. This is the first time that RFK or any iteration of it, Roush Fenway Racing has won back-to-back races since Carl Edwards at Phoenix and Homestead 2010. 2010 since the, the organization – and it happened to be the same driver, but since the organization won back-to-back races. Now, 2010 was also where things kind of t- started to turn a little bit. And certainly when you got to 13 and 14 after Kenseth left and then Edwards left for 15, it really went another direction. So this is huge, but more importantly than the wins, the consistent running by both cars is what the big story is. Uh, Chris Buescher is not suddenly some big championship threat. He's still only 11th in the classical points. But or 12, yeah, 11th in the classical points. But when you look at the makeup of races in the playoffs, if he if he pops off a win or Kislowski at the right time and they advance around, you never know what could happen when it comes down to one race in Phoenix. Speaking with Doug Turnbull, the Performance Racing Network here on this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio, along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. And, of course, Chase Elliott unfortunately just had a horrible – it seems like if he didn't have any uh, bad luck, he wouldn't have any luck at all, as the kids like to say. Um 
ending his race early um, at Richmond due to a tire going down and, and hitting the wall. And uh, a lot of people had him going in on points, but after this performance at Richmond, I don't know. He he's always said he needs a win to get in. But um, your thoughts yeah. on on um, on Chase? We do have two road course races coming up with um, you know with the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course and then Watkins Glen, and then we finish the thing off in Daytona. Um, your thoughts? Can Chase win one of those two road course races, or uh, are we going to see a year when we won't have to Chase to cheer for in the playoffs? I could see it going either way. I know that's a really hedgy kind of answer, but I could see it going either way. I really could. I do think that I thought from the beginning that, except for a brief period, maybe a couple of weeks ago, where he got within 20 or 30 points and there was four races left, I'm like, oh, okay, you know. But they they aren't running uh, very well. In fact, Devin Kupka from our 5 to Go podcast, he took the number of points Chase Elliott has, which is, somewhere near 400, I'm not the exact number, and he compared it, to, he's run 16 races, and compared it to the other drivers in their first 16 races of the year, just to get an idea of where he stacks up without missing races, and he's still only like 13th to 15th in points, now that's good enough to be in the playoffs, if he hadn't broke his leg snowboarding and hadn't wrecked Denny Hamlin combined, he would be in the playoffs on points and have the spot Bubba Wallace had maybe, or something like that, or, but, he, that, but I mean, he's left 38 laps and has one stage win all year they are off but they're not terrible and all it takes is not even a good race a good stage three or a good restart final restart at indy and turn one and a few people clear out if chase is right there he could punch his ticket so i I do think daytona and two road courses why not i feel like the hendrick effort is going to be very much focused on the nine car and the 48 who also crashed in michigan and alex bowman who at one point led the season points early this year Alex Bowman hasn't done anything hardly since he came back from an injury. Now, looking at the bubble situation here with the uh, playoffs right now, we've got Bubba Wallace in 15th, the rookie Ty Gibbs sneaking in there at 16th, and then Michael McDowell, he's three points behind Gibbs in 17th. Daniel Suarez is, uh, I believe, five points behind there, and A.J. Allmendinger in 19th position there um, for jockeying for those final spots there for the playoffs. Uh, your thoughts of what could happen here? Do you see any of those guys outside oh. looking in, Michael McDowell, Suarez, Almendinger, or do you think you know Wallace will be able to hold on to that 15 spot and, and Ty Gibbs as well? What, what do you think about those last couple of spots there in the uh, playoffs race? So what if somebody different wins that like Chase Elliott or Austin Dillon uh, or Justin Haley or some, you know, somebody that uh, Eric Almarola, if he shows up at Daytona with a hot rod, you know, something weird like that could happen. Um. And then, and then all of what you, all of what we just say when we look at this cut standing, part of the background noise again, um, is is moot. All right, it, it, the, these guys are so close to points. The cars are so close. Their driving abilities are so close. This literally is going to come down to Daytona and the last lap. It is because I don't think you're going to get three random winners in this stretch. I think it's going to come to Daytona and the last lap, just like it did last year. And then let's remember, Alfie, last year. It was Truex and Blaney battling for the final spot of the playoffs because Austin Dillon won. Only one of those guys ended up being able to get in, and it was Blaney by just the hair of his chinny-chin-chin. Both of them had almost destroyed race cars doing it and that weird, bizarre race where it rained and wrecked all the leaders. Why not have? Why not again? How could I possibly predict? <laughs> well, it's going to be exciting, no doubt about it. Anytime a race at Daytona is always exciting, but especially as it's becoming the regular season finale for the NASCAR Cup Series as well. Well, Mr. Turnbull, if our listeners want to follow along with you, you also got the 5 to Go podcast, which is available at uh, goprn.com. 
and then also a part of the Performance Racing Network. If our listeners want to follow you on social media, sir, keep up what's going on, because uh, you're always tweeting a lot about what's going on in the NASCAR news and information, where can they go to follow you online, sir? Yeah, at Doug Turnbull. That's probably the best place to go. And certainly when I run into some of the more viral NASCAR tweets and things like that, uh, at Doug Turnbull, I, I definitely put them on those accounts, including the one that just came on the day we're recording here with Eric Jones's number 43 team getting an L1 penalty and a loss of, I think it was 30 championship points for a modification of the greenhouse. So uh, I may have the number of points wrong there. But, yeah, that, at Doug Turnbull, that's where I put most of my racing stuff. And with 5 to Go podcast also has a Facebook page, too. Hi, folks. This is Ed Clark, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, welcome back to this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you here along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. It's Southie as we continue on with this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. Well, the IndyCar Series just wrapped up another exciting race from the great city of Nashville, Tennessee for the Music City Grand Prix. And one of the many gentlemen who was out there covering it live for an NBC Sports is joining us right now here via the Food Depot hotline. He is one of the pit reporters who covers the action for the IndyCar Series on NBC. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in great friend of the show, Mr. Kevin Lee. How are you? I'm doing good, Mr. Lee. How are you doing, sir? Thank you so much for taking the I'm time good. to join us back here on Southern Race Week Radio. Hopefully you're having a great day today, my friend. All good here. Perfect, perfect. And you're coming off a, a great weekend in, in Nashville, Tennessee for the Music City Grand Prix, another exciting uh, race there for the National Broadcasting Company. And uh, for you personally out there uh, covering all the action, unfortunately, uh, you know, Flavor Flav wasn't at this event. But uh, it looked like it was an amazing race from your position and, and coming off the weekend. What were your thoughts of uh, the racing there at uh, Nashville? Well, we had Ric Flair, so oh. that's the best we could do. Woo! Yeah. Did you give him exactly. a woo? Exactly. Let me hear your woo. I did. You no, it? I'm not going to. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you do the screaming okay. on the program. <laughs> uh, maybe there were too many woos last weekend. Yeah, no, good. Nash- Nashville's a fun event. One of the big stories that came out of the weekend in, in Nashville was the change to the date and also the, the, the course will be you know, redone and repurposed and everything. Uh, what are your thoughts of the changes and making Nashville now essentially the uh, championship event for IndyCar? I mean, that says a lot about how this event has grown in just a short amount of years that this event has been going on. You know, it's going to be difficult to say what the course is going to provide. And I think from a purist standpoint, hardcore, hardcore road racing fans, you know, are going to think, well, we could do it somewhere else and there's going to be more pure racing. But this is, this is show business. This is entertainment, so you need to do it where the people are at. And it's the track is going to be what is available from the geography. And it's not going to be perfect, as we've seen. Now, this year actually was a fairly normal race. Uh, there, was really, there wasn't really a caution for anything other than mechanical until the final few laps of the race, the last couple of restarts. So it went fine. The drivers started to figure it out, but it's tight. It's left-hand turns. It's going to be difficult. There are walls, so there are going to be crashes, um, but it's going to be a spectacle, and it's also going to be random. You know, we kind of compare this to our Talladega or Daytona, where at least the first two years, it's pretty easy to have bad luck, and that may take away a championship from someone. So the, the mindset next year is going to be, you'd really like to be up by 40 points 
like Alex Pillow is going to be this year going into the finale. Otherwise, you just have to hope that somebody doesn't take you out or a caution doesn't come at the wrong time before you've made a pit stop and you cycle back to 15th. Those kind of things are all in play next year. But I like the aggressiveness. I like the idea. Now, you just brought up the NASCAR series. You just did their first uh, street course race in Chicago earlier this year. Now, did you have an opportunity to watch that race? And I mean, I know the weather was a bit of a drag, but still yet a, a, a very great size fans uh, who have never seen a live NASCAR Cup Series race before came out and checked it out. It was more for a, a lot of the drivers said it was more of an event than a race itself. What were you, what were your thoughts of the Chicago street race in the uh, NASCAR Xfinity and Cup Series? So I would say I watched it casually the next day after we finished whatever race, wherever we were at. Uh, the Xfinity race didn't get to finish, and the Cup race was impacted by weather as well. But no, I enjoyed it, it and and it became a more enjoyable event because you had something new. You had someone that NASCAR fans had never heard of before um, crushing the regulars in Shane Van Gisbergen, and and some of us know more about Shane from sports cars. He's done the Rolex Twenty Four and from V Eight Supercars. So, you know, honestly, I think a lot of us in the IndyCar world kind of enjoyed that uh, of kind of showing the talent that that is available. And you know, now you're going to have Shane. Probably full-time next year. That's that's in the, the process right now. But it was good. You know, the racing is, I'm sure, going to leave some frustrated. But it was an event, and that's what it's about. And it was a massive undertaking and a major expense, but not just for the crowd. It was the highest-rated television NASCAR race uh, for NBC in a long time. And biggest race this year other than the Daytona 500. So when you can get that for a July race, I'm sure NASCAR is now saying, all right, that investment paid off. Where else can we go next? Uh, speaking with Kevin Lee here, pit reporter for IndyCar coverage over on NBC. Now, the last time we talked to you was the follow-up to the Indy uh, 500 race, where you said that people at the start of the season focus on the Indy 500, and then once the Indy 500 is done, then we're starting to look at the championship standings and the points. Who do you think will come on top? Who do you think has got the chance to do it? Alex Palou will win it. It's, this is the first time there's not been a championship battle in almost 20 years. In 2004 and 2005 are the only times in the last 25 years where it hasn't gone down to the last race. And he's essentially up by two full races. Wow. He could not show up this weekend. <laughs> and if he didn't show up next weekend, or two weekends, but next weekend is off, that's what it would take for him to lose the points lead, and he'd still only be about 10 points back. And that's if Joseph Newgarden won both races and scored the most points. So it's going to take calamity for Pelo, uh not to win the championship. And what has made him so dominant this year? What is it about that team that is really kind of, uh, as you said, just running away with it here and pretty much has uh, you know won that championship already? What what is what is the what have they done that made him so exceptional this year? It's a combination of things. Alex Pelo is a really special talent. He's really good, and that's why. There's a chance he's in Formula One next year, and he is very sought after. If he stays in IndyCar, he's almost certainly moving to Errol McLaren, but there are a couple of possibilities in Formula One for him. Uh, He's good. He doesn't make mistakes. He's very analytical. The team he's with is very good. This is Chip Ganassi Racing, the team that Scott Dixon has won six championships for, the team that Marcus Erickson won the Indy 500 with last year, finished second, and maybe could have, should have won this year as well uh the team doesn't make mistakes on pit lane their strategy is good and then it takes some luck he has not had the bad luck uh a couple of places where he's not awesome like iowa he still finished third 
at Nashville this weekend, they gambled on fuel strategy and when to stop, and they weren't going to make it, and he was going to finish about 15th until there were two late cautions, the first two cautions, real cautions of the race at the end, and that's what allowed him to finish third in that race. He'd still be up by 60 points, but those kind of things lead to just really the championship being all but over now. Well, you still do have a handful of races left. You guys will be at the Indy Road Course this weekend along with the Xfinity Series for the Gallagher Grand Prix. Uh, and then you got three more races after that, and then you wrap up the season with the Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey on September 10th. Uh, check out all the action. USA, NBC, Peacock will have it all for you throughout the rest of the season. And uh, Mr. Lee, you also have a great podcast you do called Trackside that our listeners should check out as well. And uh, if they want to follow you on social media, sir, keep up with what's going on. And also with your podcast of Trackside, where can they go to keep up with you and, and follow along? Kevin Lee, 23, and the show is live on Tuesday nights on 107.5thefan.com. I'm Jacqueline Drake, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, we're back on this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio, along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. And don't forget that the podcast is always available for you every Monday at iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So we greatly appreciate it. If you head on over to one of those podcast locations, listen, download, and subscribe to the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. And also, we got our social media platforms, so don't forget to like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash southern race week or follow us on twitter at srw radio and we always provide for you the latest in racing news and information via our facebook page and our twitter page so please feel free to like our facebook page and follow us on twitter and also don't forget about our email address feel free to email us anytime with any thoughts or opinions that's at srw radio at yahoo.com but once again we want to thank our great guests for joining us this week here on southern race week radio of course Thanks to the CEO of the Camping World XRX Series, Mr. Don Hawk, and also Doug Turnbull of the Performance Racing Network for joining us for the latest in NASCAR news and information. And then also Kevin Lee, pit reporter for IndyCar coverage on the National Broadcasting Company as he brought us up to date with all the latest going on in the world of the IndyCar Series. So, hey, thank you so much for listening to the program all of always appreciate it when our loyal listeners take the time to uh, tune in and listen to the program and we're already planning another jam-packed episode of southern race week radio coming up for you again next week so we really appreciate it if you spread the news tell your neighbors your friends your cousins your parents your grandparents about the southern race week radio program and also once again want to remind you about the southern race week radio podcast that's always a great listen you can listen to it anytime always listen any of our past episodes of Southern Race Week Radio. And this episode will be available for you on Monday at the podcast, which is available once again at iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll catch back with you next week right here on Southern Race Week Radio along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. Good.